something when we start. Um, that, that's an intro right there. Hello everyone, uh, welcome to the first Inquisition podcast. This has no plan, uh, but don't worry about it because it's going to be fantastic. Uh, I am your host Jim Sterling, I'm right here, hello, and I am joined by two of my good friends. I'm joined by Laura Kate, uh, freelance writer extraordinaire, and uh, really a podcast veteran at this point. How many podcasts do you do weekly now? Most weeks it's six. This week I've done seven so far. Wow, that, that is, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's that's quite something. That is more more work than I ever want to do. Um, exactly. Who who needs a social life when you've got podcasts? Exactly. Uh, <laughs> most of the people demanding podcasts from me uh, would seem to indicate that. Um, please, if you are listening to this, go do literally anything else uh, because it will be more fulfilling for you long term and you'll have a better quality of life. Uh, but uh, if you're still here with us, uh, let me introduce you as well to my other good friend, uh, Gavin, uh, known uh, to the world as the Miracle of Sound. Hello. Hello. Uh, how are you? How are you both? How are you doing today? I'm fucking awesome. How are you? <laughs> I'm pretty damn good. Um, it is... Black Friday, as we record this, uh, in yeah. America, which I believe has, has crossed over to the homeland. It has, it has landed in ah, Ireland this year, delight. sadly. Yeah. This is the first time I've ever seen Black Friday in England, and I didn't have any intention to go buy anything, but I went down to my local Tesco's because I was like, I'm curious how England's going to respond to this whole idea of, of mass hysteria shopping at midnight. Mm. I walked away. I saw wow. what was happening. I was like, I don't want any part of this. I'm pretty sure this is going to end in murder. There were people talking saying that there was a lot of um uh there were a lot of British people fulfilling stereotypes on Black Friday by kind of politely requesting that people join queues and <laughs> Excuse me, you skipped in front of me in the queue there. Oh, I'm very sorry. Yeah. Um that 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 worked fine until like I watched someone jump over one escalator, wow. over a second escalator, on top of a display, down onto the floor to go grab a TV 20 minutes before they were supposed to put it through the till. Wow. Because he wanted to be at the That's front. That's impressive. And then when that happened, everything kind of erupted and people just swarmed past the staff and... Well, that's, oh, it was a nightmare. That's the thing about the Great British stereotype is it's, it's always one... It takes one person to break the rule... Mm. And then the veneer just washes off. Like, it's only very thin... Yeah. It's a thin coat of paint, <laughs> the British reserved stereotype. And then it's straight down to, you fucking what? I'm going to yeah, fucking next, do next you! Next thing you've got the London's right, it's happening in next. Yes, pretty <laughs> much. This is the problem, is Briti British people start off as your stereotypical, just like, what, what, cheerio, cricket, mm -hmm. have a cup of tea. And then one person breaks the rules and you become a London Cockney and everyone suddenly, <laughs> you're fucking yeah. what, mate? You're fucking what? We can fucking break the suddenly, rules, can we? Fuck suddenly you know. everybody just grows. Like, it comes out of the skin and through the clothes and they've suddenly got a string vest and braces on and they grab the braces and kind of do a chicken wing motion and then go on a Cockney walkabout and the theme tune to Step Collins on plays. And, yeah, all hell breaks loose and uh, people are throwing bricks at each other. Uh, and that's the British tradition, God save the Queen, uh, and, and all that. Um, but yeah, uh, today is, is the day I, I hide from the world, because I don't want any part of that. Um, which is annoying, because I wanted to go out and buy Amiibos, uh, but just got them off Amazon instead. I bought Amiibos, I did it, I've got some of those little toy things now. Ooh. What, Ami Amiibos? What? What are Amiibos? Then, then basically little Nintendo toys that don't really do much oh. right now, but I kind of love them are, because they're adorable. Are they like modern Tamagotchis? Or? They're the hot new craze well, that, that everyone's talking about. Uh, have, have you seen Skylanders? Uh, it's like Skylanders, but not shit characters, but shit things to do in games mm -hmm. with them. I'm, I'm Googling them right now. <laughs> Amiibos. Amiibos, which I've been told actually I shouldn't say Amiibos. Um, amiibo. Oh, they're just little little Mario's and Donkey yeah. Kong's and oh, they're pretty cute. Get a little Kirby. Um, yeah. They're 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 cute until you've got ones like Link where he's like he's being held up by just like a stand of frozen urine that's holding him. Yeah. Up. The, oh the, my goodness. The, yeah, it's right. The up urine covered stands are a little unusual. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I ended up I, when I got Super Smash Brothers for Wii U. I ended up with Link, Mario, and Kirby. Um, and then today I ordered Wii Fit Trainer and Pikachu and Villager because I'm hearing that Villager and Wii Fit Trainer are going to be quite hard to get a hold of. 
So mm. I want to get up in that. Um, but I like it. It's a nice idea. You know, you buy these little figures. The stands um, interact with the symbol on the Wii U gamepad, and it unlocks stuff in the game. Uh, oh wow, he really is pissing out his ass. <laughs> <laughs> I told you he's oh pissing my goodness. a stream of frozen urine out his ass, and that's wow. all that's keeping him off the ground. Wow. <laughs> and he's my favorite. I have him right in front of me right now because it's like. There's all this lovely detailing on his shield and his sword's wonderful. And then every so often I just get to look and laugh at him and be like, you look like you're pissing down your leg. And I find that quite funny. <laughs> yeah, the, the and he's got an entire nice. little paddling pool of piss. <laughs> I just want to know what item you have to get at the end of a dungeon to be able to do that. Mm. That could be a very useful power. Yeah. Oh wow! And there's a photo here of um, people who were not very happy that in the E3 version you could see Peach's knickers. Could you? Yeah, there's. If you oh, Google, goodness, if you Google uh, amiibos and scroll down the page a bit, there's um, there's a, a photo comparing the difference between E3 to now, and in the E3 one, you could see Peach's knickers. Oh, no. let, let me go do some factual research right on the air right now. I'm going to be right. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm going to go see if I can see her knickers. So I will be right back, everyone. I can see the comparisons. Yes. Oh yeah, I think yeah. I, I remember that image now. Actually, yeah. I want to. I. Uh, I'd like to. I'd like to have been in the room, Adam Gray, when I thought that was a good idea. When some intrepid reporter got on his knees and took an upskirt of an amiibo. Okay, well, I, I'm, I'm back. I'm back now with the results of my highly intelligent investigative report here. Yeah. I can no longer see her knickers, and I, I think that this is a case of false advertising. <laughs> I think that Nintendo owes me money now. I wanted to see knickers. Where where are my knickers? I think there's going to be some pretty upset weeboos out there. It's a scandal. It's a scandal yeah. is what it is. And, yeah, and it's false advertising. <laughs> I won't stand for it. I am going to probably... Piss probably out your ass. Piss out my ass. <laughs> <laughs> Oh goodness! Don't, don't don't do anything too rash. Just just remember, it's all about knickers in games journalism. <laughs> okay, well, so that's that's the most important news um, of 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 the week uh, dealt with. I think is um, Peach's underwear uh, or lack thereof. Um, n- not all else has been happening really, as far as games go. Um, Ubisoft's mm. fucking up as usual. Is is that really news, though? Not at all. Is that ever news, or is that just, okay, the universe hasn't ended yet, Ubisoft is still fucking up everything? Yeah, their, their latest, uh, as of today, was um, Ubisoft being quite confident uh, that um, the crew, uh, when it comes out, won't be anywhere near as fucked up as Assassin's Creed Unity was. Make no mistake, they're letting us know it's going to be fucked up, but uh, nowhere near as bad. Is the crew the one that they're saying, like, ignore the early reviews when the people start doing reviews early because they won't be accurate? Yeah. Was that the crew? Yeah, that was that. I found yeah. it quite funny that Ubisoft, of all people, were giving us lessons on trust. Uh, but, <laughs> you know, they're not the ones for the conversation. Uh, but, yeah, they, they were the ones who said, uh, don't trust early reviews and we're not sending out review copies until launch or after launch or whenever it is. Mm-hmm. Um didn't they literally, like, two weeks ago promise, oh, we'll stop all this, like, reviews after launch bullshit that we were doing? Yeah. Wasn't that, like, two weeks Normally ago? it takes six months for something they've said to have been proven as bullshit. Uh, but I think that with the crunch period and the Christmas season coming in, they're kind of really narrowing their lead times now. So we're seeing a more efficient company, a company that will lie to your face and then within two weeks let you know they've been lying to your face. And- I, I appreciate that. Like I, I'm very happy for a company that's not going to string me on and that will say, oh yeah, we did tell you bullshit, we'll tell you that sooner than rather than later. Well, I appreciate that they're very much like Peter Baelish from Game of Thrones. You know, they will stab you in the back. They will betray you and sell you out. But it's your fault for trusting them, and they let you know that it's your fault for trusting them. Exactly. Like, you, Ubisoft stab you in the back and then turn around to your face and just look at you and they go... Really? Yeah. Really? Yeah. You've trusted me again? It's the scorpion. I think this is your own fault. It's your fault you Absolutely. got stabbed, Absolutely. Really. It's the scorpion and the fox or whatever it is that carried it across the river and it got stung. <laughs> I don't know how that metaphor works. Uh, you know, you know who I feel bad for in, in the situation when games get get released that way is the developers. 
Because, I mean, if you look at something like, um, I mean, there were so many games I played this year, not just Ubisoft games, that were so unplayably broken, like Lords of the Fallen was another one. And you can see in these games, especially in something like Unity, there's so much love and time has been poured into it regarding the artwork, the assets, regarding the story. There are devs who've poured their lives into this for an entire year. And then the publisher kind of forces it out too early. And can you imagine looking at all the work you've put into it and then seeing it released in a way that doesn't work and people getting angry over it? It must be very, it must be hard on the devs. Sure, yeah. Um, you know, for those that, that did care, and, you know, there, there, there must be plenty of people left at Ubisoft who, who have hearts still well their commu- their i i have to stick up for ubisoft when it comes to their community team because they have a, a really really good community team like with, with, with regarding my stuff there's no other company is as helpful to me regarding like videos and stuff so <laughs> i have to defend them on that but yeah their their publishing win makes questionable <laughs> decisions yeah well that's the thing is while that's true the publishing part they want to fill that box, and as yeah. much as the people who were making the game were like, oh yeah, we want to make this really nice video game, the people at the top, they're like, well, it doesn't really matter what we fill the box with, we can fill it with shit, as long as there's something in the box, we'll be alright. Yeah, well, I mean, that, it really highlights the difference in attitude between Ubisoft and, and certain other companies, because... There are many companies that could get away with churning out bullshit every single year and attach a name to it and make the money. Um, and that's what really makes Ubisoft, uh, Ubisoft stand out uh, with things like Assassin's Creed, where that's what they're doing. You know, They know it'll sell, so it's like, we'll patch it later, uh, we don't have to really worry about it, we'll hold off the reviews, we'll sell this game that, when I played it, not a single session went by where I didn't encounter some glitch or bug of varying... Um, um, uh, problem, uh, be it you know a simple graphical glitch or the entire game hard freezing and, and, and crashing, um, and and you know they don't give a shit because they know they'll make the money. And then you get a company like Nintendo, you know, stuff that's we've seen lately uh, with Super Smash Brothers. Now that's a series that Nintendo could annualize quite easily. You know they could bring a Smash Brothers out every single year and, and get away with it and make very few updates and changes. They could cram it with DLC uh, and they don't um, and then you know every game feels a lot more special as a result and we saw that with Rockstar recently with the, the PS4 and Xbox One versions of Grand Theft Auto 5 like you could they could just upscale the graphics throw it out and call it a day but they went way deeper than that and added the first person mode and and updated the bloody radio station so there's new tracks Mm. everywhere like really did that effort and yeah it frustrates me when I see companies that could get away with stuff and don't give in to that temptation and companies like Ubisoft that just indulge in it with both hands Mm. well the company that I always look at that makes me think like this is how you do annualised franchises is when you look at Activision and Call of Duty Mm. because at this point they've basically got three different companies making Call of Duty so they can have Call of Duty be annualized, but it's a three-year development cycle. It's actually a fairly polished, like single-player and multiplayer product very, that comes out. Very polished. I don't yeah. have many, like, yeah. I don't have many complaints about Call of Duty no. at this point. I'm like, it's an annualized franchise that they are taking the time to make sure is done right each year. Exactly. Uh, whereas Ubisoft are just, well, as long as we put the name on the shelf we will make enough money to keep putting the name on the shelf. I mean, Ubisoft in particular, because not only do they not rotate teams like Activision does with with Call of Duty, they've got, what was it, I think Ubisoft Montpellier, like, doing everything. And it's no wonder their games are so homogenous now. It's no wonder that Far Cry, Assassin's Creed, The Crew even coming out, um, and Watch Dogs are so similar and so so obvious to track and, and seem to follow the same blueprint, the same... Same series of missions, the same climb of tower, unlock a map. Do you think that's partly a result of the fact that that's what gamers want, though? I mean, there may very well be that element to it. Um, mm. Obviously, there, there, there comes that question of if people are still buying it, is it necessarily a bad thing? Um, I've always tended to argue that long-term it is, because they might be buying it now, but 
one day they will just suddenly get sick of it. Um, mm. as, as we saw with Guitar Hero. I mean, we all remember Guitar Hero. Um, mm. But following the year that Activision brought out ten Guitar Hero games in a single year, the very <laughs> next year it was entirely axed as a series. Uh, I'm amazed they're push- still only doing one Call of Duty a year, actually, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, they... I... I don't think that it'll be too long. Maybe a decade from now, we will probably have a spring and a, <laughs> a fall uh, mm. Call of Duty. It would not surprise me in the slightest. Oh, they could call it Fall of Duty. And they would be polished. Fall of Duty. <laughs> like, I, I, I trust Activision that they would put six teams on and they would have them polished if they were going to do well, that. Well, Call of Duty have historically always been very solid games. And, well, Ghosts, I think they slipped up a little bit. That one was very dodgy on PC, but then... And on the consoles, there were some issues with the netcode and stuff. But generally, they're really, really polished games. Yeah, I've fallen out of favour with them recently just because I, I feel like I got spoiled with the Black Ops games because they took it to a whole new level, I felt. And then after that, yeah. they kind of retreated back a bit. Um, Ghosts, of course, was Infinity War just doing Infinity Ward. Uh, and mm. Advanced Warfare really didn't grab me uh, this year. I mm. played it and I, I found the campaign very... It was tiresome to get through. I just I didn't want to complete it. I, I got to the end but really didn't feel it. And the multiplayer, again, after something like Black Ops where I was throwing up panels that microwave the air and burning opponents <laughs> and stuff, just going back to the shitty little jetpack kind of... It just didn't grab me like it, like I felt it would. Really? So yeah, I it's, it's I felt completely different about Advanced Warfare because it brought back the fast pace that I loved from Call of Duty Four. Mm-hmm. That that that's what made me fall in love with the series was 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 the fast was the fast pace. Yeah, well, I was going to agree with Gavin just because for me uh, the the speed at which uh, modern uh, uh, Advanced Warfare is it the new yeah. one the speed at which the new one goes with. I found that really enjoyable, and the story, Definitely. while nothing that's ever... like It's no story that would ever win awards in a film or a TV show. It was good enough, and it was very well presented. I had a laugh watching it. Although, I will say, they really could have done more with the jetpacks and stuff in the campaign. They oh, really... Yeah. I mean, there were only certain levels you got to use it, which was like, what? Yeah. It felt like they were too scared to deviate from the Call of Duty formula to really give you a bit of freedom with that stuff. Well, the problem with a lot of these military shooters and a lot of other, you know, quote-unquote, triple-I games is um, they don't give you freedom. You know, we have open-world games, mm. sure, but, I mean, even yeah. they have become, again, going back to the Ubisoft, and they've, even they've become very restricted in scope and formulaic. It's like they, they know what to do now and don't ever try anything else. And they do that to the player. Yeah. Um, a couple of times, twice actually, during the campaign of Advanced Warfare, I failed the mission because I walked too far away from the soldier that was apparently yeah. the guy who was really playing the game. Like, I was there as his that, cameraman. That was annoying. Yeah. Um, it's like, if you're going to hide intel around the levels, don't fucking penalise me for searching. Yeah, them. it's a game that, and I've mm. seen this with Homefront, Medal of Honor, and a whole bunch of others, uh, you get punished for exploring, for, for, for oh, trying Medal to interact. <laughs> yeah, oh, I mean, God. that's one of the worst offenders. Um, <laughs> you walk two feet off to the side of the map and you drop yeah. dead. You know, it's, it really is. You play the game when we tell you, soldier. Well, pretty authentic soldier experience mm. there, I suppose. It's like, look at this beautiful world we've made. Don't yeah. you dare go yeah. around that corner because we only yeah, made this I felt road. Like had the, and it was a problem exacerbated yeah. by the fact that you had jetpacks. You had things that felt like that should be. They freeing. should be giving you. Yeah, you should feel yeah. like the the the. the you know the 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 leash is off of you, but it only I highlights agree, how. Though, yeah. Yeah, just how changed they've made you. It's funny, um, I I was kind of thinking Advanced Warfare campaign would be more like Crisis 2, which was, to me, a nice balance of freedom and and of linearity and scripted events. I loved Crisis 2. Um, yeah, it's yeah, great. It, they, they really did, because yeah, it was very linear corridor-like structure with big kill rooms that gave you a lot of freedom within it. Exactly. Yeah, and... Um, and what a what a version of New York! Really well mm-hmm. done. Yeah, it's. I need to go back and replay that. It's been a while. Crisis Three was okay as well, but uh, Crisis Two for me was the highlight. It was very well done, well mm. paced. Uh, I'm a big fan of pacing in games. I talk about that a lot when I review a game. Um, mm. Yeah, uh, 
doesn't get a lot of credit because Crisis, Crisis for some reason gets kind of the short short end of the stick. It gets a lot of a lot of sneering from people, but but yeah, I rate it. I thought Crisis Two was excellent. Yeah, two was two was my favorite in the series. I I have to ask: is one of these boring? feministy indie game playing social justice warrior types. I don't play nearly enough shooters. Why should... What What is it about the Crisis that's good? Do you want why, to take this one, Jim, or will I... Um, yeah, it's been years since I played it, so I can't remember exactly what I liked, but... Um, well, well, I'll tell you what I liked about Crisis 2. Like, Crisis 1, it was... was I didn't play enough of it to make a judgement, but basically in Crisis 2, if you can imagine your... It's... Um, so you've got a linear story campaign, right? But instead of uh, funneling you all the time through small yeah. corridors, they'll plonk you in this huge open map, and you'll have... It's a little bit like a smaller version of Far Cry, I suppose, mm-hmm. where you have all these enemies, but you take them out at your own pace in whichever way you want to, and you can kind of use stealth or use your jackpack or just go in guns blazing. And at the time, I hadn't played another shooter that gave you that much freedom, I don't think. Yeah, you get this magic robot suit. Um, basically, that lets you run faster, jump higher, um, turn invisible, or, or like bulk up and, and enhance your armor, and um, use, you just get to mix and match all that instantly. So it's kind of, you're constantly shuffling a deck of cards of what you can do, um, and it, it's a very empowering. You know, it, it's as far as you know, games get criticized for being power fantasies, and this is. This is as power yeah, fantasy yeah. as the it ultimate, gets. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it, it really is. You know. Masturbating the player to completion over and over again, um, but it is very well built as one that does that. It, it's also rather pretty. There is nothing wrong with masturbating the player to completion again and again and again. There is absolutely nothing wrong yeah. with that. <laughs> exactly. I mean, so long as that's what you go in expecting, then yeah, you're going to leave that one satisfied. Exactly. So, Just as long as it's a game that says when you go in, hey, look, I'm going to masturbate you to completion again and again and again. Are you okay with that? Okay, <laughs> let's get started. Yes. <laughs> well, I think Crisis's main selling point has also been we're going to masturbate you, but we're going to do it. While looking very hot. Oh, absolutely! Yeah, it's a gorgeous-looking game, and uh, and that that doesn't hurt at all. God damn it! Um, you're you're making you're making me want to play shooter games now. God damn it! <laughs> Fuck you guys. I I prefer Far Cry when it comes to that style style of gameplay, though. I always felt Far Cry was the king of that kind of freedom in shooters. Yeah, I I I wasn't as grabbed by Far Cry Four this time around. Really? It was all right. Here's, yeah. here's the thing. I've played some Far Cry 4. So mm-hmm. so far, like, I, I kind of felt more... Uh, I felt more uh, more of a sense of accomplishment and completion from the alternate ending you can get 15 minutes in than I did from actually playing more of the game. Like, I started... Yeah, the Easter egg ending was clever. It, it's clever. It's very and, clever. Like, play, the more I play of the actual game, the more I'm like, you know what? That Easter egg ending had better pacing and was a more amusing story to me. Yeah, the story didn't grab me this time around. Yeah. I actually, as, as mighty whitey and uh, 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 ill-judged as some of Far Cry 3 story was, I found it a lot more interesting. Um, Far Cry 4 has Pagan Min, of course, as the villain, but that's all it has. Well, that's it. Pagan Min is fucking fantastic as, mm-hmm. as a villain. There, yeah, He is really. just criminally underused. He's criminally underused, and he also sucked up everybody else's personality. Yes. It's like no one else was allowed to have much character because I, I doubt anyone wanted to upstage him. Yeah. And yeah, every time I'm playing, every time I heard the radio crackle and RJ, like I got very excited. <laughs> yeah. uh, but you know, it was over far too quickly, and, and you know, uh, Troy Baker did an excellent job, but but that's about all that grabbed me. Well, Vass was was underused as well. Yeah. Well, I think my biggest problem with like. Um with him being so under with pagan min being so underused is that like had there been more of him you would have had more of an ability to put more characters in that had a bit more personality and get a bit of back mm-hmm. and forth of oh okay i've got to raise my game because there's other people doing good performances like if there'd been a little yeah. bit of that back and forth of oh there's other people doing good performances i'd better push myself back up we might have actually you know not had just oh this is the one good voice acting role Oh well, yeah, he's mm-hmm. he's only in the start and the end. Well, they um they introduce some other villains as well. There's the um 
I haven't got too far in now, so... Okay, I won't do too much spoilers. Yeah. Well, I won't do any spoilers, don't worry Dragon Age came out and everything else just was... (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, they introduced some other villains, and they have promising personalities, but they don't go anywhere. You know, they're they're almost Mm. gone as soon as they're introduced, and Mm. that just seems to be a problem overall with the story this time around, and, and consequently, the fact that the gameplay as well is just more Far Cry, which... Uh, extrapolated is just more Ubisoft. Uh, it, 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 yeah, it, it, I, I could see as I put in the review, I could see the strings of the puppet show now. It's too obvious what they're doing. Like everything is so formulaic to the point of being part of a very precise, calculated blueprint. Pink Floyd, they could hide all that, uh, but this game is no Pink Floyd. <laughs> You know, that's a funny thing I've been thinking about lately. I've been noticing things in games more more and more lately that are... For example, I won't spoil anything in Dragon Age, but there's a scene that you see where you know, as soon as you see this scene, you know, right, they're setting me up now because I know there's going to be a choice. The fact that they're making me get to know this character now, I guarantee you in 20 minutes there's going to be a choice where I have to either save them or not. (laughs) You Mm -hmm. know? And I was wondering, is that the game or is that just us getting more used to the the um, the little tricks that the games play on us. But Bioware is one of those examples where they have definitely got a formula that they have refined, and they are the masters of having really interesting characters and locations and things to layer on top of it. But underneath it is that same formula, and you do sort of have to go in knowing, okay, all of these story beats that happened in the last Dragon Age and the last Mass Effect and the last this and the last that. All those same things are going to happen again. It's just Mad Libs fill in the blanks. And those Mad... Like, they fill the blanks in with really interesting stuff. But it does make it a little bit predictable that you do sort of know. Yeah. But I think it's a little bit of both. Like, obviously, we play a lot of games. We... And like anyone who, you know, when you watch enough films, when you see enough TV shows, read enough books... Yeah, there's a reason storytelling why, tricks. Yeah, yeah, there's a reason why TV tropes as a website exists because there are lots mm. of recognisable uh, structures, characters, plot devices that have mm. become codified over the years. Uh, but at the same time, uh, a lot of game narrative is being really lazy and obvious with it, and they're not doing anything mm. to subvert or, or change or evolve those tropes. Uh, so it really is, I think, a little of column A, a little of column B. Um, mm. Again, going back to Far Cry Four. Um, you know, there are uh, missions where you have to choose one person's idea or another person's idea and then go with that. And the way they, the two characters argue, it's so obvious that they're setting it up that you really mm. do expect them to both sort of turn, stare dead-eyed at the camera and say, well, I don't possibly know how we could resolve this poss- uh, this problem. You Can fix you? It. <laughs> you know, it's so obvious. Um, and there are but ways there was, you can fix that. There's um, one scene in Dragon Age where it just, it's almost comical because there's, there's people arguing about what to do and you're not even mentioned in the whole conversation. And then they literally just look at you <laughs> and the choice pops up on the screen. <laughs> and I was like, oh, come on, you're not going to make me pick this. Yeah, you know, it's like, at least try. I think that's why, because um, I've been playing a game called uh, This War of Mine recently, which has um, a lot of people, it's got a, quite a few people talking online. Yeah, I've been I hearing a, a lot a about review it. Of it. Yeah, like it, that game has, you know, everything you do is a choice. But yeah. it's so subtle and dignified in the way it does it. Like, yeah. you know, you see an old couple in a house, yeah. and that's it. There's no dialogue options. There's no yeah. uh, stark, you know, do I kick a puppy or donate a hundred grand to charity? Uh, these really mm. stark moral choices. It's like mm. you can t- turn around and walk away. You could go mm. and tr- maybe try and trade with them. You could maybe dig around in the rubble for stuff that they don't care about. You could rob them, you could kill them, you can do anything. The consequences will be felt no matter what you do. You know, if you go away, you come back for the night empty-handed and miss on vital supplies. If you rob them, then the characters are going to get emotional and depressed and possibly have a breakdown uh, for doing a terrible thing. Um, If you're not familiar with the game, listeners, it's a a kind of... You're surviving in a shelled-out war-torn city, uh, and you're basically trying to survive, like, scavenging for food and and dealing with raiders and bandits and stuff. Um, Waste, waste. Wasteland 2 did a good job with that this year as well. 
Yeah, yeah, you know, that kind of stuff where the, the choice is just a natural occurrence of what you're doing at the time. It's not mm. this very structured paint-by-numbers checkbox flowchart type thing. Mm. Um, you know, a, a big, so many big-budget AAA games come out and they're, they really are just flowchart adventures, like, like choose-your-own-adventure books mm. that then spend the, the next hour preening proudly about how clever they've been with their dark moral choice. Uh, when a game like This War of Mine or Wasteland comes out and it's just very subtle, very understated, just mm. here's what you did, here's the consequence, deal with it. It's not this look how clever we are. Mm. I liked how New Vegas handled uh, moral choices because the game never reacted to you, but the characters in the game did. So you might piss off some of the characters with your choice, but then make other ones happy, instead of the game telling you good, bad. Yeah, well, I mean, that's the thing. I mean, morality itself isn't a, a, a B, or C checkbox mm. situation. Um, you know, morality and, and how you deal with it is, is how it makes you and the characters feel, and how different mm. people with different points of view view it. Uh, the reputation system in New Vegas was a good way of showing mm. that. Um, then again, their know. their karma system, when you would lose yeah. karma for stealing a bullet from a dead raider. <laughs> yeah, the karma system is the... like They've got the best and the worst systems in yeah, New Vegas. exactly. Um, but yeah, I think that's the problem with these moral choices is they are applying a, a, a stark uh, yes or no answer to Morality, which by itself is an incredibly broad um, thing, you know, the, the, there are years, centuries of philosophical discussion about morality. One thing that always uh, made me laugh was when I, when we're talking about moral choice, is when I, I think about the first Infamous game, and the first Infamous game was so amazing with its, uh, with just how um, infantile it viewed morality. You know, there, there's a moment early on when it's uh, Cole, the main character. Uh, it, Finds, I think it's like a big box of food or supplies for the beleaguered people of this quarantine city. And through his head, and I'm like, what human who isn't a complete like <laughs> Dexter level sociopath thinks this way? Like he just he, the internal monologue is like, mm, I could take that supply crate, open it, and give it to everybody. And it's more like Danny DeVito, but uh, give it to everybody. Or I could take it all for myself. And they can go fuck themselves. Like, it was just this so, such a, a, a stark thing of this, well, I could pet the dog on the head and give it a biscuit and call it a lovely boy, or I could snap its neg and eat it. Mm. Um, like the first Bioshock. No one shock. thinks like that. I think, I think that's the problem you get with any kind of um, binary moral choice, where it's like, you, it, where, mm -hmm. it, particularly when you try and tie it into mechanics, it's... Oh well, if you want the the good upgrades, you've got to invest just in doing the good things. And if you want to be the bad person and get the bad upgrades, you've just got to do the bad things. And it just has to escalate the things mm. that you can do to be a better or worse person. So, oh, you want the ultimate bad power? You'd better do the ultimate bad thing. You're going to be a worse person because you murdered and raped an entire <laughs> family there, yeah. of kitten orphans. Yeah. yeah, I mean that's that's what it comes down to is that they very distinctly cut morality up into good and evil. And that's not what and they it limit, is. And they limit your gameplay options from it, which also yeah. kind of sucks. Yeah, and then like, they mechanise it, and it becomes, you know, well, I, I want I want the devil horns and mm -hmm. the red lightning, so you know, I, I better kill this kid. The game it drove me crazy in was Dishonored, because if you want the good ending in that game, you have to play it in the least fun way. And another thing about Dishonored, if you were going for that way with the pure stealth and not killing anyone, your right hand was completely, utterly useless, so you're using the left trigger for the entire game for every single power and not using your right hand. And I was like, how How did this get past playtesting? How? <laughs> I love Dishonored. I actually liked the, the, the old stealth run. I was going I, for a ghost run. And... Don't, don't get me wrong, I adore the game. I love it. Mm. I just thought that was one huge flaw that could have really right. easily been rectified by just let me use powers on my right hand. <laughs> well, the, the game that I really like in terms of moral stuff is the Telltale Walking Dead games, just because like, mm. all of those choices are all equally shit every time you have yeah. options. It's, <laughs> yeah. Like yeah. My, my favorite one is, oh, this person's been bitten by a zombie in the arm. If you cut mm. their arm off right now, they might not become a zombie. However, you might mm. also kill them. So it's like, oh, either let them become a zombie or chop their arm off. 
both of them are shit options and neither of them are things you want to do but you gotta make a choice and that's like moral choices where you're actually like fuck I don't actually know what to do yeah I mean that's how it makes it an actual dilemma um, you know, there are certain games I've played that I won't know the names of because, you know, I want to avoid spoilers and things. Um, you know, where it's like, do you choose to let this person go or do you shoot them? So mm. I'm going to shoot them just because I'm bored of the story and I don't want to hear their dialogue. <laughs> Bang. Uh, it's like there's no Im- impetus to, to stress over the decisions. Mm. Uh, whereas Walking Dead, you know, you connect with the characters. You, you realise straight up that neither choice is right and neither choice is wrong. There's just what? How how am I going to do this in the best, the least painful way possible for I, me personally? I have an unpopular confession to make regarding The Walking Dead. Mm-hmm. I gave up on season two after the first episode because mm-hmm. it, it was literally <laughs> you don't get five minutes before the utter misery and bleakness. <laughs> And but fucking, that's why it's so brilliant. Yeah, no, everyone no, needs life, a bit more life, misery. In life, their life has enough misery. <laughs> I don't in think my entertainment, it does. I, I think can that only you're take so, so much of it. I think <laughs> that your life needs a few more murders and murdered puppies in it. <laughs> yeah, um, we're, we're all entirely too happy, mm. uh, and we should all suffer and have. A, it's, actually, it's, it's part of why I like um, Tales from the Borderlands. Uh, the, the Telltale's newest because it is a straight up comedy this time and mm. still works like the whole their style of gameplay doesn't just mm. hide behind emotional manipulation yeah. you can throw it into this kind of almost Guy Ritchie-ist kind of heist com- comedy caper type uh, storyline mm. and it still works quite well the Walking Dead what? almost ruined The Wolf Among Us for me because I kept expect I didn't I've never read the comics so I kept expecting every character I liked in that to die horribly <laughs> Oh, goodness. Well, no, they might not necessarily die. They might just have everyone they love die. Yeah. Yeah, they could be reduced to a broken shell of a husk. But you you got to admit that with The Walking Dead Season 2, like, it didn't even give you five minutes before the first miserable, (laughs) awful catastrophe happened. And I was like, oh, come on, really? I would recommend sticking with it because it does... um, it does. It's not entirely consistently like that. Well, that's um, it. Like you get to episode. I think it's episode two. There is like a really big upward, like emotional moment where it's like, oh, okay, it is building something back up and giving me something to sort of have some happiness reinvested in. Giving you a dream well, but, it can smash. <laughs> yes. Well, at least it it gives you that dream in episode two, and then gives waits three or four episodes before it smashes it into pieces again. (laughs) What I like about um, The Walking Dead and Telltale's writing in particular is um, it's not just consistent. Uh, Misery and and sad storylines really lose their edge if Mm. it's just this constant pitch. But both seasons of The Walking Dead had very genuine comedic moments. There was Mm. humour there, there were jokes, funny characters, um, and... That made the the sad stuff, the the tragic stuff, all the more tragic. Mm. And you compare that to to games that try and be emotional and uh, uh, moody um, from Mm. bigger uh, games, and there's no effects there because it's just constant. Your your bro dude is going. Your bro dude is going to make a a a self sacrifice to stop the aliens from winning. That's your usual (laughs) emotional moment. Yeah, pretty much. Um, or modern day sort of uh, Final Fantasy games where everyone's already so constantly po-faced and miserable mm. and incapable of fucking smiling that it's, by the time something sad happens to them, it's like, oh, I didn't notice because they were already a fucking miserable prick. <laughs> well, that, that's why I'm kind of that's why I'm kind of excited for Final Fantasy 15 because the whole happy road trip thing they've got going on in the trailer so far. I want to see them happy before the world is ruined and they want to cry all the time. Exactly. Yeah, this is one of the reasons exactly. why Final. It's one of the reasons why Final Fantasy IX is, is still one of my favourite um, RPGs ever, let alone sort of favourite mm. Final Fantasy, is because it's so fun and funny mm. and comic and charming, and then something like miserable happens, and mm. it's like, well, that's that really tough. hits you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, how how bored are you guys of playing angry guys out for revenge over some character we never even got to meet mm-hmm. and don't oh, give goodness, a fuck yeah. about? Well, this is why I, I, I think it's why I like Xenoblade so much because. In amongst all of the whole horrible, the world's going to end, we've got to do this, and there's all these people trying to kill us, and all these things that have happened to us that are really sad, the actual moment-to-moment character moments were 
just really light-hearted and funny. Yeah, yeah, it's got a real sense of humour to it, and that it makes always makes a more um, impactful story when they want to do something sad. Plus, Xenoblade had big robots in it that go, <laughs> I'm going to eat you from our fucking tea. <laughs> Which oh, I fucking British robot. <laughs> fucking hell, mate. I love that stuff. Um, so, yeah, that's Are you the Monado boy? <laughs> that was the one. <laughs> you the Monado boy. <laughs> Good I've chap, mashed potatoes. I've practiced that voice far too much. <laughs> Oh, Susanna Blade, yes. I'm looking forward to the new one. That's going to be fun. Um, never played, yeah, that, never played any of those. Is it sad that's the whole reason I want a new 3DS? Is because I want to play Xenoblade on it. <laughs> um, yeah, I've, I've actually never been fond of, of buying a system for one game, but that's a more noble uh, reason than other games, I think. Um, I'm actually very high on Nintendo all over at the moment. They just seem to be doing so much that I'm excited about. They, they haven't released anything that I'm unhappy with in a while. But again, they're not putting out a lot of stuff, so... Mm. Bayo like, um, 2 was fantastic. Oh, Bayo 2 is amazing. I Bayo love it. It's the best. beautiful. Um, but between Bayo 2, Hyrule Warriors, uh, Super Smash Brothers, I mean, even if they're not releasing a huge amounts of content, they're releasing stuff that will last for a long time. Yeah. Like, yeah. I'm still playing Hyrule Warriors. I can put Smash on literally any any hour of any day of any week, and I'll be happy. Well, um, I'm still doing that with up until Smash Wii U just came out today for us over in the UK. But, like, mm-hmm. I've been doing... I'll sit down in bed, and before bed I'll play three or four rounds of Smash Brothers just because it's something I find fun. Yeah. Mm. It's, they, they really do put out products that will just last. Mm. Yeah. Nintendo uh, still put their focus on gamey games, don't they? Mm-hmm. Yeah, actual games. Like, game, like games, games that aren't afraid to say, I'm a video game. <laughs> yeah. I have no pretense other than to be one. Well, that's why I'm so excited about Captain Toad's Treasure Tracker, because that is just like the happiest video gamiest video game to ever video game a video game. <laughs> yeah, it really is all smiles and sunshine, apart from that one bit, minor spoiler, where uh, Captain Toad's sister gets bitten by a zombie and you have to choose whether or not to cut her arm off. Wow. Uh, it's very sad, you know. You're you're going yeah. through it with a bone saw, and she's like, ah! like that it, for a very long time. I'm talking about an hour long. Here's, scene. here's the thing: I'm, knowing the video game industry the, these days, I was not sure whether to take you seriously <laughs> or not. There for a second. Pose law. <laughs> oh god. Did you guys play um, the Wind Waker HD? Yes. It's glorious. Mm-hmm. It, 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 I, I, it, it made Wind Waker become my favourite Zelda game, I think. It it fixed, like, the three or four niggling problems I had with Wind Waker. I know what you're going to say, and I agree. <laughs> the goddamn yeah, sailing. It's like, <laughs> well, yeah, the sailing's the big one. It was like, yeah. okay, fix the, fix the fucking sailing, which was mm. just such a nightmare. But then on top mm. of that, it was just like, little tweaks they made here and there to things were just like, mm. hey, you've tightened this up and made it as good good as i remembered it it's it's lovely it's charming can we get like here's the thing i want to ask for from nintendo i want your new zelda game that trailer you showed at e3 it looked amazing i want to fight the giant robot spider in the sort of future with the bow and arrow but i also want the light-hearted zelda can we get two zeldas a generation can we get a wind waker (laughs) and this new thing I don't, like, I don't think anyone would mind. Have them like three complain. years apart. I don't think anyone would moan. No, no one would mind that at all. Mm. Um, the only problem with The Wind Waker is I can't play it for too long because I will then annoy all friends and family because I love the, the beetle, the shop owner man so much. Oh, and, the, and the fish guy that I will alternate all day long just going, Ooh! <laughs> or <laughs> Chey! The guy, the guy that I can't get enough of in that game is there's the mini game in the big sort of like hub town that it's the sort of trying to shoot the the octopuses yes. like the grid. Mm. It's the guy that's like sploosh, sploosh, sploosh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's another one. Like kabloom. My problem with the Wind Waker is I do, yeah, just constantly parroting it, constantly sploosh. <laughs> as long as you don't mean make the low heart noise. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah. That that was a design decision I never really understood in the Zelda games. Yeah, I you're mean, stressed well, out enough at low health. 
It certainly encourages you to um, maintain high health. Like yeah. It makes a more careful player, not because you're worried of dying and losing progress, but because you just don't want to hear that fucking noise again. Yeah, yeah it's a wonderful game. I, I, I'm torn between it and A Link to the Past now as, as my favourite. I don't know. I prefer A Link Between Worlds to A Link to the Past. have not played it yet. Really want to try it. Uh, and that's only because, like, uh, there's the whole nostalgia thing going for A Link mm. to the Past. Um, mm-hmm. I think that it's mm. in some ways more consistent. But I really liked what they did with the story in A Link Between Worlds. And that's very rare to say about a Zelda game, because usually the story's pretty wafer thin. Mm. Like, I did yeah. not I did not see the reveal at the end of who the character that the thing was that you kept seeing in the game was. I didn't la, see la, that la, coming. La, not listening. <laughs> there's, a, there's a character, you find out who a character is, it made me smile. Well, that's cool. I, um... Yeah, I mean, I liked to Link Between Worlds. Um, mechanically, it threw me off a bit. I didn't like the rental system of the items and everything. It kind of annoyed me. Um, but it was it was a gorgeous game. It was amazing because the screenshots made it look awful. Like it looked like a dog's dinner in still images. But seeing it yeah. in motion, it is one of probably one of the most gorgeous games I've ever played on the 3DS. Well, I I quite like that whole item rental system. For me, it was like I I liked the whole. I, it sounds like a marketing line, but I like the fact that I could just go like, okay, I like this item. Let's find out which temple I can do with that one. What did? The, what, what way did they? Did they have it that you could only have um, one at a time? Was it? Uh, it was as many as you could buy. Like there was a shop of this. This guy sets up a shop in your house, yeah. and um, all of the temples, just like before, you know, different items have different uses in the temples. Yeah, but you stock up before you go out. So it's yeah. like you buy the hook shot or rent you rent the hook shot and you rent the bow and arrow from this character. Yeah. Uh, later on you can buy them permanently but you rent them for a, a large portion of the game and if you die uh, the shop owner comes and takes them and you have to go and re uh, rent them. Okay. Uh, and you and can it, rent you can rent them fairly cheaply like the 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 cost that you have to get the money back up to re rent them isn't a huge barrier so you can rent like multiple and yeah. go off adventuring but it is that sort of just so Fuck, I'd if, better not die right now. But if you die on the boss of a dungeon, does that then mean you have to start the entire dungeon again? No, the dungeon stays as far as you'd completed it. Okay. Just if you want to get back to that point, you might need to re-rent the item that you used to get yeah. there. I mean, there's fast travelling and everything like oh, that. Okay, but it just, okay, yeah. Yeah, it just struck me as an unnecessary annoyance to deal with. Sounds kind of like time-wasting to me. For me, I kind of liked it because it made me... It made me well, like you were saying with the whole like the the annoying heart sound. It made yeah. me want to avoid death. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> because you, I didn't want to have to go and for... yeah. Well, yeah, I didn't want to have to go and refarm coins to get my items back. I was like, Dark oh, Souls no. Zelda. That was a sudden awkward silence. Do we have what? There's got to be other video games we can talk about. God damn it! Oh well, yeah, you, well you, I'll go on about Dragon Age all day long if you. <laughs> Well, I feel like we, I feel like we should cover it. We've covered some of the big stuff, and I'm not a Dragon Age player. My wife's been playing it a lot, which means I've had been, I'm having to use the Wii U gamepad if I want to get any gaming done because she's playing Inquisition constantly. Jim, um, can can I tell you my reactions to the three Dragon Age games? Right? Yeah. When I played Origins, eh, yeah, I like Mass Effect better. When I played Dragon Age Two, yeah, I like this. Got a more interesting story, and Dragon Age Inquisition. Holy fucking shit, game of the year a hundred times over. Oh, God. This is 100% how I went through these. Like, the first... Mm. Dra- like, I, I started off playing Mass Effect mm. and thought, oh, there's another Bioware RPG out on the consoles at the moment. I should try that. Yeah. Tried the first Dragon Age. I couldn't get invested in it. I was like, fucking hell, this is boring. So I, I stopped it. And I tried, like, two or three times. Eventually, I pushed through and was like, okay, well, I finished it. You know, okay, well, I guess you, it was it was a Bioware game. You've had exactly and, the same experience as me with yeah, that game. Yeah. The second one was better. I was like, okay, yeah, I'm not like I, I I can play it through in one go. I I haven't had to like restart it and restart it and like mm. get myself interested. And this one, I'm like, oh, this feels like Mass Effect in its pacing. I like Mass Effect. Yes, and it's like I Mass Effect really meets the Elder it. Scrolls. That's what Inquisition feels like. It's really good, and it's yeah. also got. Um, there's a character called Iron Bull, who is my oh, favorite he's, character. He's the best. Yeah. He's the 
fucking he's amazing. Also, I think I, we should just give the listeners a moment to rage now about the fact that we liked Dragon Age two better <laughs> than one. <laughs> okay, Dragon Age two. Like, I will say that mechanically, Dragon Age one is better than Dragon Age two. Yes, However, I agree. I agree. As someone that is one of these boring, like, oh, I like story games. No, I don't care about mechanics. I preferred the story in 2, and that was enough for it to elevate it over 1, even though 2 had really repetitive dungeon design. Yeah. With, with you 100% on that one, yeah. And, and, it, Hooray, didn't ha- and it didn't have fucking deep roads. <laughs> oh Hooray, my God. I, have found a, I have found a kindred spirit in Dragon Age. Hurrah! Yeah. I will say I miss, I miss some of the complexities from the first one in that in the first one, you could program your teammates to react in certain ways to different things, so that you could tell you could tell them if I freeze this guy, you're gonna fire stone fists on him, and you could get them to automatically do combos this way and stuff. And I find the AI in Inquisition tries to do that for you, but sometimes it can be a little bit stupid. Like I was fighting a dragon last night, and it was one of the most frustrating experiences of my life. I kept telling them to stand in a spot, but they would chase the dragon. <laughs> it was, r- <laughs> and I was kind of wishing I could just set them to do what I want when I want them to do it, <laughs> like I could Here's in Origins. The the way I play Dragon Age is I literally just put the put it on the easiest difficulty so that the AI being shit isn't a problem. It's like, okay, you just run around in circles doing what you want to do. I'll take care of the actual creature. So you're in it and for the the world like, and the story. I am. I'm just yeah. in it because I want to talk to all of my all of my friends and <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like I don't even care. Like I just I, I recently replayed Mass Effect, the Mass Effect trilogy. I realized I don't care at all about saving the universe. I just want to hang out with my friends on a spaceship. I, and I again, cared. That, I cared about yeah. saving that universe. Let's not uh, let's not dig up these wounds. <laughs> I didn't care about saving the universe nearly as much as I cared about saving my friends who I'd been hanging out with. And well, again, that's Dragon Age. I'm like, mm-hmm. I don't particularly care about the fate of this world. I do care about getting to have a conversation with that guy over there who I think is quite fun to talk to. Mm-hmm. Also, Krem is my favourite character. Krem is important to video games. Krem is important. Yes, Krem is important. Yeah. No spoilers, but Krem is important. I like game designers. I liked, go look at Krem. I liked how that was handled. I have to say. Are we? Should we just tiptoe around that one? I Krem think a lot of people is, know this, but I don't know. Uh, the... Fuck it. Krem's transgender. Um, yeah. It's really well handled. The, the um, Krem's boss, Iron Bull, is really cool about it, and he has the greatest line about trans stuff that I've ever heard in a game, which is. Why do I give a, a give a nux a, a nug's ass if he's if it's a little more difficult for him to piss standing up? Yeah, I, which is I, my favorite. Oh, it's just so. I good. love that line as well. It was very cool. Mm. So yeah, that's a thing. We did that. Ah, social justice. Ah, don't kill me, internet. <laughs> I don't. Oh, oh, come on, that's not oh. that's that's a very understandable thing to be happy about for most normal people. I think. I, I, don't I don't think there's anything wrong with praising the stuff that's done well. Um, yeah. If it's done well. This uh, is what I was I... saying on Twitter the other day, is, is that... <laughs> and, oh, God, we're going to get in trouble for this, I know. But I praised the game because I felt it did equality and inclus- inclusivity really well without subtracting anything that other that people like already. Does that make well, any I think, sense? I think that's the overall point of... of diversity is to add and enhance Uh, and and it's actually again going back to the Nintendo praise it's it's why I have enjoyed uh, Hyrule Warriors and Smash Brothers lately Mm -hmm. because they promote diversity in many different ways Mm -hmm. Uh, not just with character representation but uh, being appealing to players of any skill level you know Smash is an incredible uh, example of that of something that can let children play it and have a great time mm-hmm. and people all the way up to those who are paid you know hundreds of thousands of bucks to play a game professionally mm-hmm. to play Smash at Evo just this huge scope uh, and that that to me is is the the overall um, goal of diversity is is that level of mm. uh, addition and enhancement, which I think is awesome. And you know, fair play. I've, again, I've, Dragon Age is not a series I'm hugely into. Mm. Um, you know, you, you said about your your reactions to the series. Mine were Dragon Age One came out, I played it, thought eh, it's 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 pretty good. Dragon Age Two came out, and I thought 
mm, there's got to be a Dynasty Warriors game around here somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, then Dynasty Warriors, uh, Dynasty Warriors, then uh, Dragon Age Inquisition came out, and then I had Hyrule Warriors, so, mm-hmm. and I haven't looked at another game since. I I feel bad. I feel like we got too serious now, so we should probably talk about something less serious. Did either of you have a chance recently to play Game of the Year 420 Blaze It? Is this no, an I... actual game? Yes, this is an actual game. This is the second time I've heard the name. <laughs> is this is this a Call of Duty quick scoping mod or <laughs> <laughs> It it is a game that was made for some game jam about trying to subvert the expectations of FPS games or something. Uh-huh. Basically, you go in with a gun, you yeah. have to constantly eat Doritos and drink Mountain Dew to stop yourself from <laughs> wow. having too high a thirst or hunger meter. Um, <laughs> you then shoot people while dubstep plays and memes flash up on the screen and um, the, the audio balance is terribly cluttered and everything explodes on the screen and you're being told a 360 nose scope and there's Illuminati I've, symbols on I've people's seen faces. I've something similar to that. There's a, there's a thing called Quickscope simul- Simulator, which sounds very similar to that. Yeah. It's, I, I haven't managed to complete this game, but it's surprisingly it's surprisingly polished as an FPS. What's it and, called? 420 Blaze It. Um, game of the Year, 420 Blaze It. I know what I'll be doing as soon as we've done here. Oh god, it's I'm gonna it's, check that out. Just it's so fun. Like it starts off slow and then you go through yeah. one doorway and everything happens and you're like, Oh god, I see what this game is now. Fuck, awesome. what have I walked into? Oh my god, this this looks awesome. Like, I want I got this. Really, I got really stressed playing it because there's Mountain Dew everywhere, but there's not yeah. enough Doritos. And this is a genuine con- <laughs> it's a genuine concern in this game that I couldn't find like there's Mountain Dew everywhere. Like I'll, I'll get my my thirst down to zero, but my hunger will be up in the double digits. And there's just no Doritos anywhere. Not enough Doritos. Five out of ten. <laughs> is this? Well, this is, is, I keep, I'm I keep dying at... because I'm just not getting my my Dorito hunger down enough. Is this what I'm looking at screens here? And is this actually what the game looks like, where like the the duck hunt dog pops up on your screen yes. and writing and. and... Microsoft yeah, points. yeah, that is that is how the game looks. Oh it's it's gorgeous. It's six. <sighs> thirst for two, three. <laughs> oh my god, so, I want this. Yeah, there, there we go. When we're not all serious, we can also talk about three sixty no scope, four twenty blazed, Illuminati wow. versus the games industry game of the year. <laughs> is it a, is it a Counter Strike mod? It looks like it might be a Counter Strike mod. I have no idea if it they is. Normally always are. If it's if it's not a Counter Strike mod, it's something made in unity that's that's one thing i've learned of covering steam like all oh. of the, the recent steam games yeah. i think it is a un- i think it is a unity game yeah, it's always one oh. or the other yeah. um but i think we've had a fun podcast we discussed many things we discussed yeah. morality we discussed dragon age we discussed uh, pissing out of asses uh, uh, all of the important topics knickers. Princess, yeah, the, the the knicker scandal of 2014. Well, um, I I don't think we discussed enough pi- enough pissing out the ass. I think that's going to have to be a recurring segment. So you know, absolutely. I promise absolutely. that next time we do this, there will be some more pissing out the ass. Yeah. I, I think that has to be a standard. Um, but I, before we go, uh, I I feel it would be only be right to have y'all tell the world what it is you're working on, what it is you do, what it is. Uh, they can see of yours on the internet. Uh, Laura, what is it you've been up to? Well, I recently did a similar thing to Jim and did the stupid thing of, hey, let's quit my job and hope that Patreon can pay the bills. <laughs> so go go help me do that. Go to patreon.com forward slash Laura K Buzz. Give me some money so I can make podcasts about butts in video games and stuff and things. My, my, my Patreon is an equal split between social justice, critique and butts. So go give that some money. Follow me on Twitter at Laura K Buzz. That's about it. <laughs> and Gap. Um, my musics are coming out, so buy all my musics. <laughs> <laughs> my album is, she... is coming out in December, level five. My fifth album is Miracle of Sound. Do you know how many songs I've made in the last three years, Jim? A hundred and a hundred and thirty. A hundred. That's a hundred and thirty songs. Gab, Gab is a real musician. Like like you would see on top of the pops. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and um, they can follow you on Twitter at it's it's at Miracle of Sound. At Miracle of Sound, yeah. At Miracle of Sound. So 
Them's my cohorts, them's my co-conspirators. Uh, I'm Jim Sterling, of course, and you know, you're probably familiar, uh, so I don't need to go through all of that bullshit. Uh, but, yeah, I hope you enjoyed the inaugural podcast. We've diced with some technical stuff, but that happens. Uh, honestly... In, in, in all hopes you'll never know, because I'm yeah. a technical yeah. wizard. <laughs> <laughs> And given my history of things, especially audio-related things, this went incredibly smoothly. Mm. Uh, so hopefully uh, all of the children listening had a great time, and we'll be back um, from now on, I guess, you know, weekly, until the world gets sick of us and tells us to fuck off. Uh, until <laughs> Even then... then, we'll keep going. We're going to piss out the arse until we can piss out the arse no longer. <laughs> until we're just deflated like, like, like three big pissy condoms on a fence. Uh, um, they're going to they're they're gonna have to add ass kiss as an item in that in that <laughs> FPS game, <laughs> so we can pick it up. <sighs> health, uh, yummy health rejuvenating <laughs> ass piss. <laughs> Goodbye, everyone. <laughs> Goodbye. I think that's what they call Mountain Dew anyway. <laughs>